Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Anyone who need a copy of the notes this evening? All right. Praise God. We're going to continue our study on the subject of prayer. So let's pray. Father, it's a joy to come before your presence and study your word tonight. And we do so in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And because your word is not just intellectually learned, but spiritually discerned and perceived, we invite your Holy Spirit to anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to be open to the knowledge of the truth that liberates, delivers, and sets free. We thank you, dear Father, for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim the truth of your word in power and demonstration, penetrating our hearts, producing faith within our lives. That we might conform to the very image of Jesus and become that for which he has apprehended each and every one of us. That we walk out of this place changed to look a little bit more, to sound a little bit more, and act a little bit more like Jesus. We thank you for this privilege and opportunity in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Praise God. We're talking about the subject of prayer. And first uh, John chapter 5, 14 and 15 will be our opening text. And in this text, in these verses, the Apostle John says, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything we want, he hears us. Some of you are awake tonight. Some of you. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Amen. So, John talking about prayer makes an emphasis on the fact that it's important that we understand and that we know the will of God whenever we endeavor to pray. Why? Because praying in the will of God produces confidence. You have faith in your heart because you know this is something that God wants. Oh, there may be a struggle along the way. There may be a fight to fight because we fight the good fight of faith. But you know what? You know it's the will of God. And so you don't faint. You don't lose heart. You don't give up. You get in there with bulldog tenacity. And you get a hold of it and say, this belongs to me. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting the devil rob me of it. Whatever it is that's mine that belongs to me, that God has provided for me, I'm taking it by force. It's time to become violent and take it by force. It's time to become zealous and take it by force. It's time to be like Jesus and set our face like a flint and say, that is what I'm after. And nothing will stop me from achieving it. Amen. If we lack confidence, you won't know God hears you. You won't know you have it. So it's important, John is saying to us, we need to understand the will of God in prayer. If we are going to be successful, Jesus said it this way. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what you will. Why? Because you're going to be bound to the word. And when you ask what you will to be done for you, why? Because you're bound to the word. You know what the word of God says. You're not going to ask for something beyond the word. Now, to be more effective in prayer, how we pray and what we pray must be a product of biblical insight 
we need to know what the word of God says. Because God's word is revealing his will. So we're going to talk about two things. How we pray. And the will of God in prayer. What we pray for. Let's start with how we pray. In John's gospel. Chapter 16 verses 23 and 24. Here's what Jesus said. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Wait a minute. Really Lord? Ask you nothing? That's what he said. Then he hits it with a double verily. Verily, verily I say unto you. Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. Notice he didn't say for my sake. He said in my name. He will give it you. Hitherto or up till now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. So Jesus is talking about a time. A day. At that day. When no longer will they be asking him anything. You will go to the father in my name. And you ask in my name. And the father will grant you your petition. Well, what's so important about that? A whole lot. Because you see, he's speaking of a day when he would conquer death, hell, and the grave. He's speaking of a day when he would be honored with a name that would enable us to reach the Father's throne. He's talking about a time when he would succeed in his substitutionary work in overcoming all the powers of darkness and doing what? Restoring us to a family relationship with God. So that day has come. You know, we could be living on the other side of that day, but we're not. We're living on this side of that day. And on this side of that day, praise God, this is that day. We can ask the Father anything, and He will give it us. We know that He will hear us, and we know that we will have it, because we've asked according to His will. Now, why is it important to know this? John 14, 6. Only Christ gives us access to the Father. Only Christ. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How important is that? Think about this. In all the universe of anyone who's ever lived, is living now, or who will ever live, there's only one person that gives us access to the throne of God and an audience with God the Father who sits upon the throne. Only one. Mohammed can't get you there. Confucius can't get you there. Buddha can't get you there. They can use every name and any name that they could possibly name among men and you will not have an audience with the living God. But if you, from your lips, whisper that blessed name, and you say, Father, I come to your throne, I come to your presence in the name of Jesus. What are you saying? It's not based on my merits, it's not based on my performance, it's not based on what I have done or what I have not done. I am coming to petition you on the merits of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm coming to petition you based on his substitutionary work and his high priestly ministry at your right hand. I've come to ask you something don't look at me and my shortcomings and my faults and my failures and my inadequacies. But look at him and his successes. His achievements and all that he's done. 
I'm coming in His name, not in my name. And you know what? You've got the Father's attention. Praise God Almighty. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. You've got the Father's attention just like that. 1 Timothy 2 verses 5 and 6. There is one God. Do we believe that? Well, what about all those people that say, well, there's more ways than one to get to God. Really? Look what the next part says. And one mediator between God and men. Notice men, plural. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be justified in due time. What, what does that mean? It means one day everyone's going to know it. One day everyone's going to understand it. One day everyone's going to see it. And if they don't bow to that name now, they will bow to that name then. But praise God, there's only one mediator between God and man. Only one go-between between God and man. And what's his name? Jesus is his name. So how do we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus? In other words, we pray through him, not to him. And look at Philippians chapter 2. This is how we got this honor. Beginning at verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things or beings in heaven, things or beings in earth, things or beings under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let them shout their names that are out there. Any name they want to name, let them shout their names. There is only one name that is so highly exalted above every other name in all the universe. There's only one person who is the worthy lamb to take the book and loose the seals thereof. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. The worthy lamb because of his sacrifice and because of his shed blood and because of what he's done for us. So he achieved a name. He acquired this name. He was given this name above every other name, but not for himself not for himself he was given the name for you and for me to use and how do we use it father I approach you in the name of Jesus and now you got the father's undivided attention amen how else do you use the name that's a request that's praying that's requesting but every single one of us has the authority or the right to use the name of Jesus with all power and authority. And there's a difference. You see, that's not asking, that's demanding. That's demanding the devil to take his hands off your possessions in the name of Jesus. I remember listening to Brother Hagin teach one time when he was talking about the authority that we have in the powerful name of Jesus. And he said, between 1951, I believe, or 5051 and 1959, he had eight visitations of Jesus. He was caught up one time, no, three times in that period, an hour and a half that Jesus appeared to him and talked to him about his ministry and about certain things, to teach him certain things. And one thing was the, the place that you and I hold and the power that we have in the name of Jesus. For example, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prayed. What was his prayer? He prayed that we would have an understanding of our authority and power in the name of Jesus. And that when Jesus was raised up from the dead, he was raised up far above all principalities, powers, and mights, and names, and every name that is named, every dominion, and every name named. So Jesus, in other words, is exalted above every 
creature and every demon and every ruler of the kingdom of darkness, every dominion is above. Well, that's wonderful for Jesus, but what does that do for us? Well, what about this? You and I, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, says we are seated with him in the heavenly places. We're seated with him far above all powers, principalities, mights, dominions, and every name that is named in this world and that which is to come. We are not seated in a position of defeat. We're seated in a position of victory. We're not fighting from the position of defeat. We're fighting from the position of victory. So in him we are victorious over all the hosts of darkness. And we need to renew our mind to this so that when we understand the need to use the name of Jesus... We recognize we're not doing it or using it from a position of defeat. We are victorious in that powerful name. Well, while he was having this visitation, Jesus was talking to him, he said, like from a somewhat of a distance. And he was on his knees looking up to Jesus. When all of a sudden an imp, a demonic influence, a demon-like spirit got between him and Jesus. And it, it released this black cloud which blocked his vision. It clouded his vision. He couldn't see Jesus like he did before this imp came. Then he said, then it started yapping and yakking. And it was just making this loud yakking noise that was ear piercing so that he couldn't hear Jesus and Jesus kept speaking. And he said, I thought to myself, why doesn't Jesus do something about this? Why doesn't Jesus get rid of this, this demon spirit and this cloud that's blocking me and stopping me from hearing? He said, finally, after a period of time, I couldn't hear Jesus. I was getting concerned. I finally just stood back and just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. Well, I think first he said, shut up. Then he said, get out of here. He said, all of a sudden, that thing, like, like a monkey-like figure, hit the ground, whimpered, and went out. He said, um, Jesus looked at me with all the love in his eyes and said, if you didn't do that, I couldn't. And Brother Hagin said, Lord, I didn't hear you right. You meant you wouldn't. He said, no, if you didn't do that, I couldn't. He said, Lord, you mean you wouldn't? He said, then he got real stern with me and said to me, I told you I couldn't. He said, well, Lord, now how about this? You're talking to the Word made flesh who dwelt among us. And he says, I'm a stickler for the word. He's talking to the word. And he says, you've got to show me at least three scriptures in the New Testament, because that's where we live, that verifies that, that supports that. Because I didn't believe that. He says, son, I'll give you four. I'll give you four, not three. He went to Matthew, two in Matthew. I'm sorry, one in Matthew. He went to Mark. Mark 16 quoted that. He said, in my name you shall what? Cast out devils. Luke, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy, right? He went to James, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Went to Peter, resist him in your faith, with your faith. You he gave him four scriptures in the New Testament. He said, look, I defeated the devil and I have the power, but I gave the power to man on earth to use against all the powers and hosts of darkness if they don't do it it won't be done it's up to believers to use the name with understanding 
and rebuke the devil and command him to desist in what he's doing. And so sometimes people's minds are clouded because why? There's interfering spirits that are trying to keep us from understanding the truth. It's time to rise up and use the name above every other name in every aspect of our lives. Number one, in prayer, going to the Father and asking Him to do something that is His will. But then secondly, in demanding the devil to stop his, whatever his maneuvers might be or whatever he's trying to do to destroy the work of God in our lives. And if we don't rise up and do it, then God says, it's not going to get done. Because we have that authority on earth. Now the second thing I want to talk about is God's will. Because remember he said, ask according to his will, and he hears us. If we ask according to his will, we know he hears us, and then we know we have the petition we desire of him. So, uh, let's, number one, let's say concerning salvation. Concerning salvation. When we pray and ask God the Father to save someone, is it necessary for us to say, if it be thy will? Look at Second Peter chapter 3, and verse 9. Would we pray that way? Father, I'm asking you to save my, let's say my father, my mother, my friend, or it could be my brother, my sister, my cousin. Would you say, Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name to save my friend, if it be your will. Would you do that? Why not? Isn't that showing humility? No, it's not. It's showing that you don't know the scriptures. We find the will of God revealed to us in scripture. The Lord's not slack concerning his promise. As some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us, we're not willing, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Does that settle it? Is it the will of God for all men to be saved? Absolutely. Is it wrong then for, to ask God to save someone? Absolutely not. You know, we have a revelation in the Word of God that says, I and my, you and your whole house will be saved. Don't you want all your family members saved? Don't you want all your loved ones saved? You know, and don't you want your friends saved? People in your circle of life and influence of life, don't you want them saved in the kingdom of God with you as well? Absolutely. And so we go to the Father, and what's, what's right for us to do? Ask Him to do what? Release some labors of love to go across the path of their lives and bind to them the Word of God. Uh, look at Matthew chapter 9. and verse 35. It's not wrong for us to go to the Father... Go to the throne in the name of Jesus and say, Father, I'm asking you to send labors of love around so-and-so's life that they can hear the truth and come to the kingdom. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion of the, on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenty, but the laborers are few. Pray ye. Pray ye. Are we doing this? Pray ye. I'll tell you what, my Andrew, he's back in the band, practicing in the band with his friend Anthony. Sometimes I think I feel a little sorry for Anthony. Because Andrew is all over him. I, I just got a little book for him about scientific facts that are discovered in the Bible. And he gave it to Anthony. Anthony, he said, would you read that? Anthony says, I'll read it. Because on the phone the next day, have you read it yet? No. Have you read it yet? Next day, have you read it yet? He said, I was down there at band practice. Have you read it yet? I'll read it. I know he's going to have to read it. Because he's all over him. All over him. He wants Anthony in the kingdom. He wants all his friends in the kingdom. It's all he talks about. I got to get him saved. I got to get him saved, Dad. Pray ye. 
that the Lord of the harvest would send forth labors into his harvest. That is praying the will of God. And you know what? I remember one time walking into a, a mental institution and walking in there and leading somebody to the Lord. And then coming to a Bible study where I was teaching the Bible study, having someone say to me, somebody went to where my relative was and led them to the Lord. Lo and behold, that was me. I was the one that did it. And I found out that it wasn't me, it was them. They prayed that God would send a labor of love to that person's hospital room to lead him to Jesus Christ. And you know what? At first I kind of, a little bit wishy-washy with it. I, I walked by the room and I saw poked in and I saw someone there and I had this, this on the inside of me, you better stop. And, and I just thought, well, that's just me. And I kept on walking, saw somebody else and I walked on by. Then I finally turned around after I was walking out of the hospital, turned around, walked right on back to the room. And the fellow just says, well, I've been waiting for you to come here. Think about that. Here we are warring with ourselves, but the reason why it happened was because someone asked the Lord to send a labor of love. You have a loved one that you want in the kingdom? Pray the prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to surround so-and-so with labors of love that will continue to speak into their hearts and minds the truth of your word. And I ask that you open up their eyes to see and hear the truth and receive it into their hearts that they could come into the kingdom of God. You can use the prayer of binding and loosing. I am binding the hand of Satan in the darkness that blinds their mind. And I release, praise God, your word, your, your spirit, your power, your grace, your saving grace. Amen. So we don't have to say if it's your will. Number two, concerning the receiving of the Holy Spirit. What is the will of God concerning this? Well, in John's Gospel, chapter 7, we have that revelation. We have the answer. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried, saying, if any man thirst, notice any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So is it the will of God for someone to receive the Holy Ghost? Well, are you thirsty? Do you want God? You want the life of God, the power of God, the glory of God manifesting in you? If you thirst, he says, come to me and drink. In the book of Ephesians, we see another revelation. Chapter 5 and verse uh, 15, 17. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord? Be not drunk with wine is not the will of God. Being drunk with wine is not the will of God wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, more literally be being filled with the Spirit. And he tells us how, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, is it the will of God that people be filled? Yes. Is it the will of God we maintain a Spirit-filled life? Yes. Absolutely. Well, then how do I ask for this? How do I receive this? In Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, we don't have to say if it's your will to fill me. It's your will because you want me to receive the Spirit. It's your will because you want me to maintain a Spirit-filled life. So I don't have to say fill me with the Holy Ghost, Father, if it's your will. If a son, and I love these verses, whenever I have someone that comes up to me and says, 
Hey, I don't know if I'm good enough to receive the Holy Ghost. I say, are you good enough to eat? Oh, yeah. Are you good enough to drink? Oh, yeah. Are your parents kind enough to provide for you food and drink when you're young and growing up? If you were to ask your father for food, your mother for food, would they accommodate you? Oh, absolutely. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? No. If he ask a fish, would he give him a serpent? No. If he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? No. If you then being evil, natural people can give good things or gifts to your children, how much more? Say those three words with me. How much more? Say them one more time. How much more? Do you know your heart? If I were to ask anybody in this service here tonight, if some little one came up to you, say five years old, and says, I am so thirsty, I've had nothing to drink all day. Would you please give me a glass of water? Would anybody here do that? What are the chances that anyone in this congregation would say, no, I won't? Would anybody here deny that child of something to drink? If you knew a child didn't have anything to eat all day and said, I am so hungry, I'm getting faint. Would you give me something to eat? Would you accommodate that child? Mm -hmm. How much more will your father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. So do I have to say, is it your will? What I have to say to you, uh, Jane, would it be your will to feed a little boy or a little girl? Is it your will? Do I have to ask you that? Or is it automatic? It's automatic. What's he saying to us? He's saying simply this. The Holy Ghost has already been given. My will has already been established. All you have to do is come and receive. Ask me to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Boom. You're filled with the Holy Ghost. Just receive him. It's that simple. We don't have to even ask just receive but we can ask if we want to next and you know what by the way when it comes to the power and ministry of the Holy Spirit you realize you're receiving something I think we haven't even scratched the surface of yet you receiving in the baptism of the Holy Spirit the combined presence of God the Father and God the Son in the person of the Holy Ghost when you look out there in our narthex and you see the fire of God coming down from heaven to burn up the sacrifice and you see the Shekinah glory manifesting in such a powerful, powerful dynamic way among the people that they couldn't stand to minister by reason of the cloud. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you're receiving this glory this power, this fire of Almighty God, this person of God in a measure that's incomprehensible. We have yet to fully understand the indwelling presence of the Most High God in us in this measure. But I'll tell you what, there are those that did. This one fella in India, he uh, came to a meeting, he was dying. And he went over to where John G. Lake was holding some meetings. And as he went there, he said, after the service was over, if what you preached is true, I want healed. 
And he says, come on up here. It was a young man, a single man. They laid hands on him. He was healed of an incurable disease. That young man gave his heart to Jesus. Was born again. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Surrendered to God. Never got married. Made a decision. He would live his life exclusively to God. Slept on the ground. Walked from place to place. And proclaimed Jesus everywhere he went. They said he was so full of God. That when he walked into your presence. Or you walked into his presence. The power, the glory of God that flowed out from him was beyond anything that had ever seen before. One lady came and she had two club feet. They said, what about this? He said, we pray for everyone. He got on his knees, grabbed one foot, be normal. Instantly it became normal. Grabbed the other foot, be normal. Instantly it became normal. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is the divine life, nature, power, ability of Almighty God entering into the human life. And you know what? To what degree we release it is to what degree we yield to it. And we all can. We all can. But living a life of such consecration and dedication put this guy in a position to where more of God, less of self. Mostly a God. Very little of self. Praise God. Next. Uh, concerning healing. Do we have to ask if it's God's will? Well. Look at 3 John verse 2. Beloved I wish above all things. That thou mayest prosper and be in health. Even as thy soul prospers. In other words I will. This is my will for you above all things. Well what's your will? That you prosper and be in health. Say with me. My God wants me to prosper. And be in health as my soul prospers. That is the will of God for all of our lives. And then we understand that healing is our covenant right. It's a negotiated, you say, benefit of the contract or covenant. In Psalm 103, beginning at verse 1, we're told, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all thine iniquities. Is that his will? Who heals all thy diseases. Is that his will? Who redeems our lives from destruction. Is that his will? Who crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Is that his will? Who satisfies our mouth with good things. That our youth is renewed like the eagles. What causes your youth to be renewed like the eagles? Satisfying your mouth with good things. Think about that. How do we speak? How do we talk? Hallelujah. Speak the word. And praise God it will affect us. Even our physical condition. But based on those scriptures. It is the will of God that we be whole. There was one lady that came up in a healing line. And it says something when you're the minister. And the person walks up and says. Pray for me. Because if he, God heals me. It's his will. If he doesn't it's not his will. The minister just looked at her and thought. There's no faith in that. I'll just accommodate her. I'll pray for her. But I know she's not going to get healed. So he prayed for her. And sure enough. She just stood there and turned around. And she said. Honey I don't feel any better. Call the doctor. What's wrong with that statement? 
She said, if I don't get healed, it's not God's will. If it's not God's will, why would you call for a doctor and violate God's will? You see how our minds could be uh, clouded and confused? And just because it didn't happen instantly, it is the will of God. And when we add, if it be your will, we kind of nullify our faith. And we get placed to doubt and unbelief. So, if we ask with confidence, we have to know His will. Father, I know it's your will to make me whole, or to prosper me, or to meet my needs. And then concerning our needs, look at the next. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, with regard to our needs, what is His will concerning our needs? In verse 25 to 34, Jesus outlines all this. And He says, look, don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Man, don't, don't do that. If you do that, you're demonstrating a very low level of faith, little faith. So he goes on to say, therefore, take no thought saying. How do we take thoughts? By saying. When thoughts come to our mind, if we don't say them, they'll die unborn. But if we echo them, if we repeat them, if we say them, we speak them out, we can do so to our own detriment. What shall we eat? What with all shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So is it the will of God that our needs be met? But what's our part? Our part is to do what? Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto us. And then Philippians 4.19, the verse that we all know. My God shall supply all your need. Say it with me, my God supplies all my need. Say it again, my God supplies all my need. It is the will of my God to supply all my need. How? According to the economy. According to Wall Street. According to the price of gold in America. According to the price of the high rising price of silver. No. According to my rich uncle. According to what? His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So you can go to the throne with confidence and say, Father, it's your will to provide for my need. And you know what? I need to pay the light bill. And so I'm asking you for help. I believe you're hearing me because I'm asking according to your will. So I believe I have it now in the name of Jesus. Look, you've got an audience with the th at the throne. You have access through Jesus Christ. The Father, His ears are attentive. Eyes are upon the righteous. Ears attend to their prayers. He heard you, and then you know you have it. Because you asked according to His will. And you know His will. And I love this last one. And this one we should really focus on, all of us. Every single one of us. Now, all right, let me, before I go there, let me, let me show you. That this, this one's just too good to pass up. I was going to pass it up. I'm not going to pass it up. Look at 2 Kings chapter 4. This, is, this should be everyone's idea of a retirement fund. Retirement fund, right here. There cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, thy husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. Look at that right there. Underscore that in your Bible. He feared the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him 
my two sons to be bondmen. Because they were in debt. Elijah said to her, what shall I do for thee? They, they want to commit us. God wants us to commit to what we want. What do you want? Tell me, what hast thou in thine house, in the house? She said, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Does anybody here have a pot of oil in your house? You have anything? Pot of oil? What can God do with a pot of oil? Okay. Then he said, go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors. Even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There's not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. This is more than your, your typical retirement fund. You and your children can live off the rest. What we think we have is so small, but in the eyes of God, no matter how small it is, it's more than enough. And that's exactly what he did for her. But notice the criteria. He's loved the Lord. He served the Lord. He feared the Lord. And yes, he was in debt. He died. But God is faithful. And look at what happened. Too often we just kind of get all shaken up because of what's taking place in our economy. But you know what? God's bigger than our economy. He can take what you have and multiply it. And he will. Now finally concerning the heathen. And this is so important today. Because you know why? We got a lot of heathen. I'll tell you right now. Come on. Young people in school. You have a lot of heathen around you? I think you, you know you do. That's right. A lot of heathen. Look at Psalm 2 and 8. What is his will with regard to the heathen ask of me hmm wow who thought of this and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession this is prophetic and it's talking about Jesus and it's talking about that when he dies, the death and, and provides salvation for mankind, his inheritance will be all the people groups of the world. And in cooperation with him, he is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. We ask him above all else, give us the heathen. Let that be your daily prayer. Father, everywhere I go, wherever there might be a heathen, give him to me for an inheritance. <laughs> <laughs> surround him with labors of love and I'll be one of those labors of love sick Andrew on him as quickly as you can and let him get a hold of him and, and proclaim Jesus to him look at James 5 and verse 7 be patient therefore brethren to the coming of the Lord behold the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth the precious fruit of the earth 
and had long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. The early outpouring of his spirit brought in many into the sheepfold, the kingdom of God. But in these last days, God is pouring out his spirit in these days of the latter rain. And what he's, what's he waiting for? The precious fruit of the earth. We may see through eyes that see people as heathen people that are wicked and mean and cruel, etc., etc., etc. But you know what? God sees every individual person as precious fruit of the earth. And he wants them all in his kingdom. It doesn't matter how cruel or how wicked a person might be or how sinful we might consider a person to be. God wants them a part of his royal family. And our prayer should be, Lord, we do it daily when we pray here. Lord, let me cross paths with those that are nearest eternity so we could lead them to your saving grace. No matter how cruel, how awful, how mean, etc., help us come across their path so we could preach to them the gospel and bring them into your kingdom. So what's the will of God? That we ask him. And send labors of love out. Have you got some heathen in your family? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, I bet you you've got some religious folk in your family that are not born again. Right? Is it God's will that you ask for him to send labors of love? Yeah. Is it okay for you to ask him to bring him into the family of God? Yes. And I'll tell you what, that's more important than getting our material needs met or anything else. Their salvation. Amen. So in conclusion, it's faith that makes prayer work. To have faith, we need to know the will of God. When you know the will of God and you ask according to the will of God, you've got confidence and boldness. As a matter of fact, when you know the will of God, you are bold to go to the throne. Father, this is what you said. I will never, never, never minimize what Moses did when he went before God and said to God, they're not my people, they're your people. You talk about boldness? And he said, you brought them out of Egypt? You're the one that brought them to this place? And if the heathen look at you and say, what are you doing bringing them out? Now you're going to die right here? What kind of a God are you? He said, Lord, you repent of that attitude. That's what Moses said to God. He said, remember your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and repent. And the Bible says God repented. That's boldness, wouldn't you say? So we could go to the throne with confidence and say, Lord, Anthony needs saved. I know Andrew's on him, but send some more labors of love and surround him, his family, because they're atheists. And that's all he says. I want Anthony and his family, because if he gets saved, he says, Dad, won't his family get saved too? I said, there's a good chance of that, son. Good chance of that. But that's all in the forefront of his mind, is to getting everybody in the kingdom of God. And sometimes I, I wonder, I like to see that be an anointing you can pass on to somebody else. Clothed with that. That we have such deep concern for the salvation of the lost. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. 
It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.